0: On this episode of AV Week, CES's impact on commercial AV, better cybersecurity, and HDMI on a network switch. All this and more on this episode of AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry.
2: What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This.
1: This is this AV, is AV Nation. Nation.
2: This is AV Nation.
0: This is AV Week, episode 386. Thank you, Tyrone.
2: Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support and by Sure Sound extraordinary.
0: This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for AVNation.TV. I'm filling in for uh, Mr. Albright today. And I'm pleased to be joined by the one and only Corey Schaefer. She is the Director of Strategic Industry Relations at QSC. How are you, ma'am?
2: I'm well. Happy AV week.
0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us and being stuck with me. Someone who is not incredibly happy about that, we'll say, is Justin Kinnington. He is the president of the SDVOE Alliance. How are you, sir? Doing great. How are you, Tim? I'm doing great. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, but I grew a nice beard for today, so it's, it's a good day. And we have, last but not least, my other friend with a really good beard is Steve Greenblatt. He is the president of Control Concepts. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, As I mentioned off the top, Tim is indisposed this week, so he is not here, and I'm filling in. So apologies if you were tuning in to see Tim. You're stuck with me. Uh, But let's kick this right off uh, with a story that comes to us from AV Interactive. LG unveiled its first rollable OLED at uh, CES this past, well, about a week and a half ago now. Um, what I wanted to get into this, and, and you can read through uh, this story, it is really cool. It's obviously a rollable LED that comes out of a frame and uh, becomes a full loaded TV. What I wanted to jump in uh, to on this is, is let's start with you, Corey. When you follow, or, or do you follow, CES from a commercial standpoint at all. It's specifically a residential-ish, um, new coming, groundbreaking technology show, but it's not really a commercial show. Is there really any true value for the the commercial AV space as we know it to be following CES closely?
2: I believe that it is because um, many many times, especially in the corporate sector you know, whatever there's buzz around at the CES show, many of these executives in the corporate sector then will ask their teams internally about something because they may not know why it's not relevant for commercial. And also you look at companies like, you know, maybe Control 4 who started in the Resi space but then um, merge over to, you know, commercial. um, And it'll kind of gives you a, uh, a, a window of what may be coming to enter our space. And on that rollable OLED, I thought it was amazing, especially when you think about open concept spaces and, you know, um, no access to walls also, you know, I mean, it was just um, incredibly cool. So I, you know, I think uh, we'll see more things like that coming into the commercial sector. So absolutely we'll follow it.
0: Very good. Justin, if you follow this, um, as Corey is saying, you should, but if you're following this, is this a show that you would look to for you know products and and new technologies so much or is it more trend based
3: well tim trend is the word i was going to use i think uh uh it's very important i, I i'm i really like Corey's approach to say look who knows what these uh, executives are going to see and start asking for we have to be ready to talk them out of it i think that's a and good answer um but it really is about the trends right you know I, I, if you look at the last 20 years, we kind of underwent this transition uh, where, especially, I mean, in my side of the world, the video and audio distribution side of the world, um, you know, we went from a world where the broadcast side of things was always kind of the lead in terms of of pushing the technology envelope. And then and then the pro space and the consumer space would kind of follow along with that. And We very much, we now sort of completely inverted that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's now the consumer space that's where all the the top line innovation is and where all the new stuff is, you know, wireless video comes to mind and uh, smart TVs and sort of bringing more intelligence out to those endpoints. Um, you know, and I think these are the trends that we have to be aware of because it, it's our job in the, in the product manufacturing world and community to, to look at those trends and understand how to shape them uh, to fit the needs of, of the pro AV space and make sure that we're kind of growing and, and and building more better solutions for our future
2: or another comment would be you know um as far as when you see the trends and when people are asking you know when executives are asking for them you can kind of uh you can know it's coming and be able to reply because i remember the trend of you know um these big displays getting really low in cost and you know, many times an executive go, "Why can't we just go down to Costco and buy these?" You know, for for you know under five hundred dollars, and be able to explain the why. That's a residential product, not a commercial product, and it, you know the control, the life cycle of it. You know, all of that.
0: Steve, when you listen to what Corey said and and, and what Justin said, and then you couple that with CEOs and 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 C-level people who are kind of of that mindset of i don 't really care if there's security concerns or, or issues with certain things they've got the bankroll to jump in and you know for the example of the LG rollable LED say, I want this in my boardroom, just make it happen is that a is that a viable option whether that that's
1: a good question whether it's a viable option, but I was going to say i I agree with all that's been stated not to be boring but but the the, the idea is that We've hear here all the time, you know, I have this at home, why can't I have it at work? And, um, and 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 what's at home is always looked at to be easy and 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 less professional. So if I'm coming to a professional environment, I should at least be able to recreate that. And and if you look at this from a user experience perspective, we're still all trying to satisfy the same users. So and 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 lately everybody talks about of course you know how, how the iPhone has impacted the user experience for for any type of, of user interface or, or even controls and um, so the one it's very relevant to be on on the uh, on the forefront of understanding what what consumers are seeing and, and what the trends are but but also um, we're we're going to be challenged, I think, to to be more innovative and 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 look at and see how we can provide m- more creative solutions. So, so I think you know, kind of to answer your, your question, you know, I'll, um, come back full circle is that I, I I think that some of them may not be ready for prime time, but I think that those conversations have to be had.
0: Very good. All right, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from a uh, commercial integrator. Five steps to better cyber risk management, and as you uh, as you read through the story you'll see that Paul goes over uh, essentially a five step approach that your firm needs to have a comprehensive cyber risk management approach. Justin, I wanted to start with you uh, as this to a degree is a bit of your ballpark um, when you when you start to look at this this has been something that has been touted within the industry for quite a few years now yet still dare I say, doesn't seem to have as much traction as it probably should. When you're, uh, as you know, a, an integrator or a manufacturer, when you're looking at your cybersecurity and, and really the risk that comes with that, at what point is it not just about you internally, but more so about your clients?
3: Tim, I think it comes down to um, how how much of your customer data um, are you managing and dealing with? Right. And the, and the fact that, that this article does a good job of highlighting is that that's that's sort of more and more all the time for smaller and smaller businesses, right? It's no longer just uh, amazon.com has our, our credit card numbers. Right. But, uh, but everybody you interact with has, has email addresses, has mailing addresses, has phone numbers. Maybe they've got your credit card numbers. Um, and so even, even small businesses have to now, sort of be aware of the, the tools and techniques that are right to, to protect the data that you're holding on behalf of someone else. I have to think, uh, and I'm not enough of an expert in this myself even, but I have to think that um, we'll see a strong marketplace built up around tools designed for that kind of medium to small business, right? It's no longer just the Fortune 500 work, working on this problem, which is kind of the point of this article. Uh, to help folks who don't have a cybersecurity department, right? Who don't have cybersecurity experts on staff and on call, uh, to be able to protect their own data, protect users' data, um, it, while making sure that their systems are still uh, available and usable, right? I mean, one way to protect the data is unplug everything, right? Problem solved. But, but now you can't—you can no longer accomplish your function.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good, Steve. You're in a a bit of an interesting situation in this standpoint and, and, and for this conversation because you're not a manufacturer you're not uh, an integrator you you know provide code and and programming and, and things such as that but i wanted to ask you where does this where does this reliance um, need to be placed is this something where integrators should be placing a, a large portion of their cybersecurity mitigation on you know their their clients, IT staff on manufacturers is it is it a blending of you know both of those including their internal IT uh team
1: so i think the first order of business is to make sure that somebody's protecting the client and and i think we all have to to subscribe to that and take responsibility for it and and contribute to it so um I, I would say, an, you know, an integrator is in a great position to be able to own that if they wanted to. Um, and then there could also be uh, other providers that create audits or do some other types of consulting in that area. So it could, could provide a nice value add. But um, from from an integrator's perspective, I, I, I believe that if they're selling a system and the system has... Uh, has a security breach they're they're going to be looked upon poorly um, so providing education i think is important for you know get, bringing them bringing the products that are vetted is important and and also um, having good best practices and and also and, and and practicing them within their own organizations to be able to demonstrate that a, as a baseline that, that, that that'd be what I would recommend
0: very good Corey, you're you're kind of the the sole manufacturer uh, to a degree on on today's show. There's been a lot of conversation, especially the last couple of days, if you've you know kind of followed Twitter, about a report that came out um, covering the vulnerabilities of a lot of AV products that sit on the network. As a manufacturer, knowing that most integrate in, integration firms are not primarily IT security firms, they're AV companies that have probably been forced kicking and screaming into IT because everything's moved that way where where does a manufacturer fit in that a, in that conversation of making sure that uh, you know integrators are able to provide secure products and solutions to clients um, so where do manufacturers fit in that but also how can manufacturers help integrators, really understand the value that they have to place on this.
2: So um, there's a lot done wrapped there, but I think we have a huge responsibility actually to, um, to share any knowledge we have the sooner, the better. Um, uh, We also have an obligation to help educate, you know, most manufacturers spend time on educating the channel on the, the, um, on their particular products, but there are so many fringe things that we need to be educating on. And in doing so, it really, it benefits the manufacturer as well, because you're, you're viewed more as a, uh, you know, a trusted authority, a trusted partner, you know, helping uh, all boats rise, so to speak, you know, because we're all educating on things, even if it's not related specifically to the product, but uh, everything, um, uh, you know, on the network is, is, um, volatile, right? So um, I actually was talking with an integrator earlier this week and doing a bit of an interview and we were talking about um, like SynodCon does amazing training on audio and it's not manufacturer specific at all, but yet there's a real need in our industry for, you know, people to really understand that all elements of the network and, and where, where we have risk and, and benefit, you know, and, and that seems to be a bit of a hole because it's so centric to a particular, you know, company or manufacturer.
0: Well, let me, let me ask any of you this really. Um, w- this has been pushed down the, the industry's throat for a long time, that we really need to bone up on our IT security prowess. Um, I know I, I've been talking about it for years that it, you need to hire IT staff, not somebody who's, who's gonna learn it, but you need to bring in true IT professionals on staff and make them an integral part of your company. This still is something that we have to talk about a lot because people don't do it. (laughs) They don't have these, these personnel on, on staff. They don't really focus on it. We keep talking about this. What has to be done to make this really, you know, finally hit home. When are we going to stop having this conversation?
2: You know, I hate to say it, but often we learn more from a mistake than we do from things that are going well, right? And and we've had a few stories in our industry, you know, I'm um, just going to leave those out for a moment um, uh, to not dr- draw attention. Um, AMX, remember the story about the back door of that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, we'll probably need to see a bit more of that before people take it seriously. Because again, time is currency and everybody is spending their time. Just trying to keep up because there's just so much information coming at all of us. It's one girl's opinion.
0: Justin, is it is it that we need that big, you know, that big issue, that big data breach, or is it just that we finally have to figure out that we're becoming more IT companies?
3: Well, Tom, I think we'll just end up seeing how it plays out, right? Either either the big breach comes and and we all have to to, to take a big left turn and adjust or we start paying attention, get get in front of it, uh, and manage this so that the big breach doesn't come. Wouldn't that be the, the more ideal scenario? But in the end, like, but all you can do is wait and see, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Very good. All right, let's hit a uh, another story that came to us kind of last minute from AV Interactive. There is an, ether switch, an ethernet switch with a product level HDMI integration coming down the pipe. Uh, what this is, if you have not seen this, it's a, essentially an HDMI input and output module that plugs directly into a Netgear uh, 10G modular managed switch and gets HDMI inputs directly onto that product level. Steve, I want to start with you on this. This, to, to my understanding, is the really the first time that we've ever seen this, that we've seen something that is directly plugged into the network with a, a video signal. No balance, no no adapters, nothing. No other endpoints. Is this that next big step of, dare I say, AV over IV, AV, AV over IT convergence?
1: I, I think it's a big step toward it. Um, I, I think the the easier that we we make it for this to happen, the the uh, the more it's going to happen, and um, and I think that. We're we're now kind of showing the marriage uh, of a AV and IT in the same box for the most part. If you, if you think about it, right? And uh, so so I, I think a lot of what what's been been an issue in the past, right, has been the infrastructure to be able to support these things. So so I think the more the, the easier that that we as an industry or the more ownership we take about making the the network. Uh, more more of, of a comfortable place for for vid, for AV. I, I think the it's, it's going to be a huge step for for the industry and, and for clients feeling comfortable and gaining adoption.
0: Very good, Justin. This is a SDVOE um, Alliance kind of product. Um, th- this is something that has been really looked for for a long time. That that direct way to plug something directly into the network. That gets video on the network again, as we said, without balance. What makes this so groundbreaking is the fact that it sits on a uh, you know plug and play switch that allows chassis uh, drop in of what you need, build your own network switch essentially. Right? Is this where you know AV over IT is going to go down this path?
3: Absolutely. This is this is where uh, where we at SDVOE are trying to drive it, and and I think where it will will naturally be driven anyway, right? What I mean by that is, you know, we've all seen the the massive trend that is AV over IP, right? In the past few years. And everybody, I I think everybody can understand that, that we're moving to a world where all of our video content moves over Ethernet networks all the time. Um, There's questions about, you know, are we there yet? Will it be next year? Will it be the year after? But we all know that, you know, 20 years from now, that's where we'll, that's where we'll be. And that means displacing the matrix switch, right? This thing has been with us for for eighty years, right? Since TV was invented. Uh, and the thing is, in in those eighty years, the matrix switch evolved a lot of really good features. And the modularity that you're referring to is is exactly one of those. So, in fact, this this product, right, which is a collaboration by a couple of uh, of SDVOE members, including Netgear and some others that'll that'll be announcing their their participation soon. Um, this product was kind of inspired by some of those things that a matrix switch is really valuable for, right? So Netgear's 4300 series chassis uh, is expandable, is modular. So like you said, you can plug in 10 gig modules, 40 gig modules, POE modules, fiber modules, etc. And this is just that next obvious evolution to be able to plug in HDMI ports uh, right there on your switch. So now when you have sources in the rack, you know, maybe you've got 12 cable boxes sitting there right next to the switch. There's no need to have standalone encoders uh driven driving signals down to the ethernet switch you can now just plug those video sources right into the ethernet switch
0: very good all right let's uh wrap things up we started the show off with ces news let's let's end it with a little bit of ces news that just kind of got me very excited uh when it came out um Corey, I, I do want to start with you on this one samsung displays announced this year that all uh, new 2019 models, 2020 models will have Apple, uh, Google, Alexa, everything built in. This is going to, in theory, become one of those things that you're, you're now eliminating boxes, right? You, you now have a TV that has access to all of your Apple ID information and, and content, which is a huge thing because Apple's never uh, played nice with anyone in that realm. When do we start to see people asking for this product in a boardroom?
2: So again, because it's announced, um, we're likely going to see this come from the C-suite and they ask, depending on what they're, you know, what they're, what they're using in other spaces and wanting to pull that into their workspace. And I think what we're really seeing is um, personalized and customized solutions for the, individual or for us talking about in the commercial space, right? So um, that really is, in my opinion, um, you know, the future. I mean, people rather than have them to adapt to us, we need to adapt to them and what they're used to using, and what they want to use and really personalize it. And the more that we can play well with with others, regardless of what they're using, I think that'll be the win. Versus trying to, you know, uh, square peg in a round hole and get them to adopt us. So it's real. So, you know, Avix has talked about, you know, the experience, and this is part of the experience, making it really personalized for the space.
0: Very good, Steve. You and I were talking about this story uh, pre-show, and the thing that you touched on that I, I, I honestly didn't really think about was this is bigger news than just Samsung having these things on it it's big news because it's an expansion of those APIs. What does this mean for future things down the road? So I th- think it's a good sign that we're
1: moving away from closed ecosystems. We're, 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 we're not limiting people and we're giving everyone the ability to interface with the systems and the architecture and the equipment that, 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 is, that works for them. And having something like this, you know, it makes it a lot, lot more, more friendly for integration. And and uh, so, and you know, kind of paralleling it back to the API ideas, you know, an API, is, and I'll define application programming interface is that it's um, it allows us to integrate equipment and have things talk to each other. It promotes IoT, and 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 it it allows a piece of equipment to, to almost be more universal rather than be proprietary, which I think is a great sign of the times.
0: Very good. Justin, I'll give you the last word on this. Um, when you look at this and, and you hear what Corey said about customizing things for the end user, we've, we've seen the industry kind of to a degree go away from customizing and simplifying things as much as possible. Where do products like this and, and that thought of user customization meld? Where do they come together? I think what's interesting about this is the, the way
3: that we'll be able to move away, kind of echoing what Steve said, move away maybe from centralized control, Right from these control ecosystems. Right. No longer, maybe we don't need a Crestron controller or an AMX controller or a Control 4 controller uh, in, in the middle of these systems. Right, And instead, we see APIs uh, open enough to work together, uh, allowing the content ecosystems and the sort of, what do I want to call it, the, the hardware ecosystem, if you will, Right, the TV itself, uh, those hardware pieces that we do need, we need a display, uh, we need speakers, we need, uh, maybe we don't even need interface devices except you know, the microphones and things uh, themselves, though I'm a big believer in handheld remotes still. Um, but I think what we'll see is that decentralization of control, right? And the move towards a, a forcing open of these ecosystems, right? Because we talk about, okay, what if we lose those, those control platforms we just mentioned? Uh, but still, Apple is a, is a, a closable ecosystem. Samsung is a closable ecosystem. And what we're seeing here is them really sort of being forced, I think, by the market to open themselves up to one another. And that's a, that's a very interesting new direction.
0: I like it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Corey, if people want to connect with you, learn more about QSC, hopefully visit you at ISC, where can they do all of those lovely things?
2: So you can find QSC at qsc.com. If you're at the ISC show um, and you want to see what QSC is doing for video on the network, by the way, um, we'll be showing that at Stand 7R200. Um, also, we're at the NAM show next week, which is in, An- in Anaheim, which is a little bit of a, you know, am um, you know, not sure how many people listening will be at the NAM show, but we're in booth 14908, so 14908 at the NAM show next week. And then you can find me, Corey Schaefer, on uh, Twitter and uh, LinkedIn and corey.shafer at QSC.com.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks again for joining us. Justin, my good friend, uh, if people want to connect with you, learn more about SDVOE, uh, visits you at ISE, or if they can brave the cold, pop up to Montreal. Where can they do that? Thanks, Tyrone.
3: Um, you can find us at sdvoe.org on Twitter at sdvoe, uh, and we have a very big presence at the ISE show in a couple of weeks. Uh, our booth is in Hall Three, number B one five zero. We'll also be putting on some some in depth training series. Uh, on the Wednesday of the show, you can check out our website, sdvoa.org and, and grab the details on that uh, and pre-register to be a, an SDVoE certified design partner uh, at a live training we're putting on there.
0: Beautiful. Well, thanks again. Steve, my good friend, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. If people want to learn more about control concepts or check out your show, where can they do both of those fun things?
1: Uh, Control Concepts is at controlconcepts.net. You can find me on social media at Steve Greenblatt very easily. Uh, But I'll put in a plug for our AV Nation show called A State of Control, which focuses on the control programming and automation aspects of uh, the AV industry. So check that
0: out at avnation.tv. Beautiful. Thank you again uh, to all of our guests for joining us. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at matt d scott and pretty much every other social platform but more importantly please stop by avnation.tv you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows including all the verticals that we cover like my resi week show as well when you visit the website please take a moment to check out our supporters we are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well thanks again for watching that's all the time we have for this episode of av week